Unless otherwise indicated, all the names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents in these stories and audio narrations are either the product of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental. The stories and audio narrations are not intended as a substitute for the medical advice of physicians. The reader and or listener should consult a physician in matters related to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. Mature content. Listener discretion is advised. Zen medicine. I'm an intuitive tantric Reiki healer. I'm neither formally trained nor educated in being a tantra or Reiki healer. I'm just pretty plugged into the universe. And this is my calling, for better or for worse. How people find me? Well, there's word of mouth and divine timing. Here's my story. I know that everything happens for a reason, and everything that happens is always for our highest, greatest good. Or at least that's what Henry reminds me once in a while. Moments like these remind me of the tower card in a tarot deck. Its meaning was always obvious every time it flipped out. Because ready or not, there was no going back to what it was. It was the universe's way of kicking you down the stairs to get you out of the house and get stepping. There was no fighting it. But it didn't mean I had to like it. As soon as spa day ended with the door closing behind Jackie and the others, I ripped off my clothes and raided the closet for something, anything resembling running gear, and leave it to Lady to know precisely what I needed because when I stepped back, I had a pair of purple Sarconi sneakers and blackish-gray high-performance Under Armour workout gear, including a sports bra. Fuck me. As I bundled my long, snow-white hair into a high ponytail, I turned and glanced in the mirror and paused for a second. Dark, form-fitting, long-sleeved top and matching leggings, capped with long, white hair. Rather than seeing the familiar, I saw an angry stranger glaring back at me. Then, yanking a white running vest, I slipped my cell phone into the pocket and was out the door a second later, and ran as if my life depended on it. I had no plan... No direction in mind as I took off into the woods. Fueled by the heat of my anger boiling inside, I ran wherever my foot took me, oblivious to my surroundings, the forest air, and time. Henry's comment was like a hot coal burning in my brain. And no matter how far I ran, it wouldn't turn the fuck off. It was like hearing that silly song you can't stand, stuck looping over and over inside your head. Because it's a reminder of what you're becoming, Henry said patiently. You're transcending. You can't go back to what you were. Transcending to what? What the fuck does that even mean? The rage in my blood tempered as I focused on the rugged trail ahead. But I wasn't so far gone with the hot emotion that I'd completely ignored the soft ground under my feet. Instead, because it was so rough and rocky, 
I focused all my attention on not twisting my ankle as I flew down the trail. The speed had me gasping loudly in the forest air, panting for breath. But still, I ran until my thighs were on fire. Finally, I pulled to a stop, bracing my hands on my knees and breathing like a fish out of water, gulping air noisily. I couldn't remember the last time I ran all out like this, but it had worked. It had broken through my anger, and now I was sweaty, panting like a dog, and entirely spent. I continued along the wood trail, walking slowly until my pounding heart no longer felt like it was about to explode out of my chest. My brain was finally clear and quiet enough to hear Henry. Feeling better? Because anger is a low vibration emotion, it shuts off our intuitive senses, like a door closing on the universe. My rage has soundly blocked the channels between us, but now that I was calmer and almost back to myself, I could hear him again. Turning to my right, I saw Henry walking beside me, his tall, lean body moving gracefully like a catwalk model. I swear he looks just like Wesley from the movie Princess Bride. And padding ahead of us was Howard, my huge Pyrenean Mastiff spirit dog sniffing the air here and there, his golden hairy body ambling along. I don't suppose you brought a water bottle with you, I asked as I wiped my sleeve along my forehead, mopping up the sweat. His look of exasperation had me snickering. We continued walking in companionable silence, and that was one cool thing about Henry. Unlike humans, my spirit guide was unperturbed by silence. When my thighs finally began to feel like rubber, I stopped to sit on the soft dirt, leaning my back against a tree. I sighed heavily at the sheer pleasure of being off my feet. I didn't realize just how tired I was until that very moment. I'm waiting, Henry. I began as I yawned loudly. He was leaning against a tree across from me, his golden eyes open and glowing. I really don't have all day, you know. And that's another thing about spirit guides. They know and hear your thoughts, which is a time saver so you don't need to say anything out loud. He cocked his golden head, his eyes thoughtful. You already know the answer to that, my dear. I rolled my eyes at him, sighing with impatience. Just suppose, I said as I threw my hands up, that I don't have the answer. How about being a pal and throwing me a bone? Babe, he shook his head, his lips pursing. That's not how it works. Besides, you never used to want to know these things before. I narrowed my eyes at him. Did you just call me babe? Can spirit guides do that? Then waving that thought aside, I responded, well... Getting shot in the heart changes a person. You know that's not how it works, Z. Henry repeated patiently. Remember free will? What if I asked nicely? I said, before snapping. Oh, forget it. Yeah, I knew I already had the answers. We all did. And it depended on divine timing to unfold the answers that were usually right in front of us. Each and every single one of us has to figure that shit out because we're all transcending whether we know it or not. Because in the end... We're all supposed to become better versions of ourselves, all for our highest, greatest good. It's just a question if we succeed before we drop dead. And I just wanted to cut to the punchline. I leaned my head back against the tree. I was thirsty, tired, and on the cusp of getting hungry. I had no idea where I was or the direction of wild woods. But a simple urge to meditate overcame my tired senses at that very moment. So, breathing in the fresh forest air... I shifted into a lotus position, closed my eyes, and focused on my beating heart. It always begins with the heart, because when that's settled, the mind and body usually follow. After a few moments of mind-clearing deep breaths, 
I started with heart breathing. Heart breathing is a technique that visualizes the air flowing in from the back of the heart and exiting through the front. With each intake of air, the revitalizing energy entered my back and flowed out of my chest. I breathed and breathed, just so, and got lost in its rhythm, in and out, cool and fresh. And through my third eye, I watched with satisfaction as my green heart chakra bloomed into a lovely, vibrant lotus flower. Yeah, my damaged heart chakra was healing nicely. Then with the next breath, I coaxed a white light out of the heart chakra to flow like a long, unraveling coil. I sent it down my spine, out the soles of my feet, and into the earth underneath me. I watched and directed the energy coil down through the rocks and soil, through the layers of dirt and sand, until it reached the golden center of Mother Earth. This is called grounding. I lovingly wrapped my heart coil around her golden core, anchoring myself to her. I watched as my simple connection with Gaia stirred her ascendance, her golden white light climbing over my energy coil, not unlike water climbing up a tree's roots. And I sat in the middle of it all as her healing energy streamed in, around, and through me like a wave washing away the residual anger from me. Thank you, Mother Earth, I said silently to her. Thank you for grounding and renewing me to my original state of health and well-being. During meditation, time didn't matter. It was about what felt right and flowing with an open heart and mind. I floated in the ether, the nothingness that always felt alive and vibrant. It took years to quiet the mental chatter, but sometimes random thoughts floated through like clouds in the sky. It's not about stopping them. Just observe them, but don't engage. Let it flow in, let it flow out. That's the trick to quieting the mind, and it works, usually. But instead of a random thought flowing in, in my mind's eye, I saw a ruby-red glow off in the distance. The nothingness in my meditation shape-shifted to me floating like an astronaut in space, looking down at the planet Earth. That red dot went from a steady glow to a blinking red light, and when I leaned into its energy, I felt... Keegan? I came back into my body, cleansed and whole. I breathed in deeply and released my connection with Mother Earth, thanking her for sustaining me while I was soul-tripping. As I opened my eyes, I was surprised to see that evening had darkened the forest, the dark sky shining bright with stars. The forest was vibrant with the sounds of crickets and other night creatures chirping and trilling happily, but something had me pulling my eyes from the night sky. I glanced to my right and smiled at Howard, his vast golden body snug against me, and his large paws draped across my thighs. Thank goodness he was a spirit dog, otherwise I'd be trapped under his heavy bulk if he was flesh and bone. Then I noticed that my skin was crawling, like an army of fire ants racing all over my body. Then, flicking my eyes up, I saw why my spidey sensors were screaming. Greenish-white ghosts of all shapes and sizes were in the forest. Tall, lean ones. Short, round ones. Normal-looking ones while others were bloodied and missing limbs. But hands down, it was undoubtedly the greatest hodgepodge of spirits to behold. And all of their pale eyes were on me. But with Howard and Henry with me, they stayed a short distance away from us. A wave of electric green. It was an eerie sight, no doubt about it. 
Before the shooting, Henry had run interference for me with all things that go bump in the night. Because when the news got out that I could see dead people, I'd never have a moment's peace. But since then, since the shooting, my intuitive gifts have upgraded energetically. Or as Henry would say, I've transcended to the next level. Since my father's visit on Halloween night, it was a no-brainer to not block my senses from these things anymore. But honestly, sometimes... Being intuitively gifted was a massive pain in the ass. Looking at Henry, I asked, Are they all ghosts? He shook his golden head, responding reasonably. Mostly. The trick to handling the googly mooglies was simple, albeit hard to do sometimes. And that was to not be afraid. Because more times than not, they feed off your energy and can downgrade your fear to sheer terror. Which was no brainer. Turning to the growing crowd of ghosts, I began to feel like a freak show in a carnival. Nothing to see here, folks, I said as I gently pushed Howard aside and stood up. Then waving them away, I continued calmly. Best be on your way. Ain't no Pony Express here. Among various moans and groans of disappointment, they began to disperse. Some disappeared like mists, while others simply turned away to walk deeper into the forest, moaning and hissing and taking parting shots at me. You suck. Thanks for nothing. But one stayed. He was tall and thin, almost the same height as Henry, around 5'8". He was dressed in colonial gear, reminding me of Davy Crockett. His dark stare was locked on me, but that didn't bother me. Not as much as the arrow in his right eye did. The damn thing was still protruding out of his head. Gross. For a moment, I felt a spark of sympathy for him. I wondered if that was the killing shot, or was the severed throat what ended him. Then a random thought occurred to me. I wonder if that's also where the word cutthroat came from. But his gravelly voice pulled me back to the present situation. You will help me. Davy commanded as he walked to stand toe-to-toe with me. Waving Henry and Howard aside, I dodged the tail end of the ghost arrow as it almost passed through my head. Motherfucker was tall, and I had to tilt my head back to look up at him, and even then I was staring straight into his severed throat. Regarding spirits and ghosts, the best practice was to treat them all respectfully. Although they can make you shit in your pants, you should still show a little respect. But that was just the best practice. When his ghost arrow came at me again, I flicked it with my fingers. Technically, I was just flicking air. But its impact had Davy freezing in his tracks, his ghostly eyes widening. If that was even possible with that damn thing in his eye socket. How dare you touch me, woman? He shouted as he touched the side of his face gingerly. Almost as if he was making sure his arrow was still there. Have you no respect for the dead? Nope, I responded as I shook my head. Not for assholes like you. I held my hand up, ready to flick him again. You don't command me without my consent. A pox on you. Yeah, yeah, I said. Sticks and stones, buddy. Take your ass walking. He huffed and spun around. Harlot! He shouted. I gasped as I looked at Henry. Did he just call me a harlot? He snickered at my expense as I muttered, Davy Crockett sucks. Then my eyes caught a spark of gold and a bobbing white light in the distance. My eyes landed on a golden spirit guide far back behind the sea of departing spirits and ghosts. Thank God for the supernatural color guide. It made things easier to figure out. Hello? I called out into the forest there and watched as the bright spirit guide glanced our way. She was a beautiful lady outlined in gold and white, like she was walking in the sunshine. I could barely make out the human she was attached to, barely making out the outline of his body in the 
darkness of the evening. The man wore what looked like jeans and a jacket, and the straps to a backpack slung over his shoulders. The bobbing white light was his flashlight in his right hand. The dog beside him wore what looked like a matching jean jacket. Huh? They made matching jackets for dogs now. The heavy-set dog sprang forward, running straight at me, panting loudly in the dark forest air. Howard had been sitting on the ground beside me, and I watched as the black dog instantly changed direction when Howard stood up, his enormous golden body shimmering. Watching an actual dog sniff Howard's golden nose was a strange sight—definitely one for the books. It was also funny seeing how Howard towered over the black dog, like Andre the Giant towering over Hulk Hogan. But I swear. If they started sniffing each other's butts, I was gonna pee in my pants. Are you lost? His voice was deep and steady. Did you need help getting back to Wildwoods? My eyes returned to the dog's owner, who stood there, his flashlight shining down. I wish I could see his face because how much you want to bet he was wondering just what the hell his dog was doing. If you're lost, he said, I can take you back to Wildwoods. It's easy to get lost around here when it's dark. I looked at Henry, who only smiled at me as he continued his animated conversation with the man's spirit guide. "You're an answer to my prayers," I said, grateful for the help that the universe sent my way. I was taking a run, and I hadn't planned on it being dark before I finished. "No problem," he said as he pointed in a direction behind me. "It's this way. Just follow me and watch your steps. It's a tricky terrain." I turned to face the direction I came from, but stopped short at the woman who blocked my way. Henry returned my look and shook his head. Not a ghost, but the way my body shivered, it wasn't human either. Hi, everybody. This is Zee Elian, and I wanted to take a few moments to thank you for listening to my episodes and subscribing if you're a subscriber. I hadn't planned on being away for so long, but you know how life happens. But with the new year, I'm hoping to push out an episode every two to three weeks, continuing the episodes of Zen Edison, who I adore and have great pleasure writing, creating, and sharing her adventures with all of you. Thanks again, and talk to you soon. Music credit by Kogan Audio. Sound credit by ZachSplat.com. Story created, written, and narrated by Z E Lian. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider supporting us by subscribing on Apple iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us, and it is greatly appreciated. Follow the continuing story of Zen Medicine on Medium.com.